welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about the saints with your hosts, Andrea and Lena. Thanks for being here. Let's jump in. Uh, okay, we are back with another Snacking with the Saints. Woo-hoo. And uh, before we start with our snacks, we wanted to do like a reintroduction. Because uh, I know when I listen to podcasts, if... It can be hard to figure out who is who because obviously it's a no visual right. media. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd do another reintroduction. So this voice, me, I am Andrea. Uh, what should I What should I tell them about myself? Tell them how wonderful you are. That oh, you're Lord. a youth minister. <laughs> um, okay. Creative. I've been a youth minister. I usually just say for way too long, but also because I can't remember. You're too young for it to be way too long. It's been way too long. Like about <laughs> six or seven years. I don't know. Okay. Um, and we feel that that's too young for, mm, I mean, that's too long. Too young, too old. I'm too old for this. It's a young person's game. Gotcha. Um, but if the Lord has called me, then I will say yes. But it's mostly young person's game. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm making it sad. Uh, yep. Youth minister. I'm married to Luis, my husband. We have an eight-month-old baby. He's cute so cute. Is, he is adorable. He just got I will his first tooth. Um, we love The Office. We're big Office fans. We can make a reference for The Office for any moment, <laughs> for any anything. We love The Office and Marvel. I nice. think if I was going to tell someone about my life, those are the main points. You those are the know. big highlights. To be my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Those are good points. Yeah. Okay. I'm Lena. I am right now I'm a stay-at-home mom and homeschooling mom, which is a new season for me. Prior prior to that, I was a small business owner and um, taught kids how to bake and did a culinary program for kids. Um, I've been married to my high school sweetheart, Royce, um, for over 17 years and have two boys, eight and 10, Evan and Noah, um, which are the light of my life too. So, And we have our little dog, Coco. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Super adorable. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm excited. So, yep. Two moms who love the saints and love snacks. Yes. We are fans of the snacks and saints. Um, well, should I talk about the snack that I'm giving you, that I gave you? Yes. Or the one that you gave me? Uh, the snack you gave me. Okay. The snack I gave you was. Don't judge me that it's a leftover, but it was a Nutella cupcake, which is a yellow cake with Nutella frosting because it was Royce's birthday yesterday and that was his request was cupcakes. And it was delicious. <laughs> I'm going to eat the second one. I'm not going to share it. <laughs> Louise it's not is not, it home. It's not going to Louise. Okay. No. I appreciate the honesty. It was um, too good. You know, and I am very particular about cupcakes and we were kind of talking about this earlier. Yeah, we were. But there needs to be like the standard rule about the ratio of frosting yes. to cake. Yes. Because that's like the game changer. It is. And it's all about balance. And so you can't have super sweet frosting. You can't yeah. have a mound of that with a super no. sweet cake. I do not get how people just bite into like these hugely frosted. I can't do it. I can't. I'll I'll peel it off. I'll like scalp my cupcake because <laughs> I would rather like if the cake is too sweet, then I'll just yeah. eat that. Like I can't do I know. Both. I actually prefer the cake over frosting if it's a good cake. Yeah. Um, and just like a little frosting. But when it's in the right ratio, when things are ordered, it makes such a difference. And when it's disordered, you see where I'm going here? Yes. <laughs> it can just throw things off yeah. completely. Take something good and just twist it. Too much. Mm-hmm. Too much of anything is a bad thing. That's right. I agree. 
It was delicious. Um, my gift to, or my snack was also in a Christmas stocking for yes. gifts. But it was just a bunch of Trader Joe's snacks because we love Trader Joe's. We do. Um, We're big Trader Joe's fans. Yeah. And I think, did I, did I mention this on air last time or did I just tell you that my snack was, for our last time was from Trader Joe's, but then we ate it and it yes. never made it to, yeah. So this time there was a couple of like chocolates. You made up for it in this. There were a few things, yeah. yeah. So we shared a butterscotch bits bar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like swirled milk and dark chocolate. Nice. Um, and what did you? It's like a take on. It's Trader Joe's take on that other candy. What's it called? Right? It's like the one that's long. The Toblerone. Yeah. I, Is it? I don't remember what that tastes like. I always see it in airports, but I yeah, never, I don't either. But it looks just like it. it. Look, yeah, it was shaped like it. So I just assumed because Trader Joe's does their own version of everything. Yeah, they so do. I assume that's what it was. It was very good, and I really appreciated the milk and dark combo also for the balance. Yeah. And the butterscotch bits. I didn't taste a lot of the butterscotch bits. There wasn't a lot. I got some, like, the last two bites. But I also, I like dark chocolate, and milk chocolate is usually too sweet for me. So that was really good, and we will revisit that snack. We need to. You know what I like about this is that I'm a milk chocolate fan, and you're a dark chocolate fan. And, like, I feel like symbolically this is our snack, the combination of both of our tastes. It is. It was a combination of both yeah. of us. And a little crunchiness in there. <laughs> it would have been, to be a true representation of myself, I would have put almonds instead of mm. butterscotch bits. But I like that. We can let We could make Joe's our in. own snack. Let's do it. <laughs> do you know what? This is off topic, but I feel like that's okay. On TikTok, I watched someone make chocolate from scratch. Like Whoa, like with cocoa? No, uh, not even like just like the beans. Like whatever plant chocolate beans come from. Cacao. Cacao, maybe. It looked like an alien. Like, I'd <laughs> never seen, because I'd seen, like, the beans. Right. But she, like, harvested the beans okay, and dried them. Okay, legit, yeah. And, like, cleaned them. And, like, so, anyway, when you said make chocolate, I got a little bit scared because I thought it I was I just that. met, like, melt some okay, already good. made chocolate. <laughs> I'll try to find that for you because it was, I had no idea that that's where chocolate came from. Yeah. Because I thought the And beans, it's not sweet at all. No, Mm-mm. yeah, I I don't know. I was picturing like, like lima, Willy Wonka, like lima beans a little bit. You know, like they grow oh, yeah, on a vine, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't some beans anyway? I probably I sound like such this. a city person. No, I want to see it. Whenever I don't know where my food comes from, that like that bothers me. Yes. So I felt like my world was rocked. Yes. By not knowing how weird chocolate looks, and just I had an appreciation. It changes of how, everything yeah, for you now, right? Of how like we get that delicious thing from something that looked like an alien egg. I mean, I think that's so important to know where your food comes it from. It is. A yeah. lot of people, there's a guy, Michael Pollan. I don't know if you ever follow him. Oh, but love yeah. Michael Pollan. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's one of his big things is to know where your food comes from. And yeah. you connect with it so much yeah, more. That was just a huge realization for me. Anyway, yeah. you said make chocolate. I got a little <laughs> bit scared, but we don't have to do that. No, store-bought. Okay. Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> just had to clarify that. Um, anyway, this is not a podcast about chocolate. <laughs> Although I bet there is somewhere. I feel like we could talk a lot about chocolate. Yeah, I'm sure someone has a podcast about chocolate. There's a podcast about everything now. There is. It's like essential oils. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's about the saints. Should I? Mine's going to be longer. Go for it. So should Should we talk about the topic? Oh, we should. I always read the topic. Um, I was passionate about this topic because of the holidays. Yes. We're going to see our families. Yeah, we are. And so for some people, it's a beautiful thing, but it's a really real thing that for some people it's not. Um, so I thought, difficult. yeah, I thought let's, or even just people who have like 
lost loved ones or just there's a lot of reasons why the holidays are not a super happy time for a lot of people. It can be complicated. Yeah, complicated. So I thought let's talk about families with dysfunctional slash weird slash saints with dysfunctional slash weird slash complicated families. So that's the topic, saints with an interesting family background. Yes, which could be, I mean, everyone. Everyone, yeah. But we're looking at ones that were clearly kind of off the beaten path. Yes, yeah. So mine's a little bit longer. So should we do long or short first? I think we should jump in with yours because I'm like seriously excited to find out who you picked. Okay, mine is... Seriously, one of my favorite top 10. Like, I know I say it a (laughs) lot, but this, truly. Um, Next time I'm writing it down. (laughs) Like, top five. He's one of my faves, like, of all time. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Fasati. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so not a lot of people know, like, that he was young and loved the poor, but his family dynamic is pretty clearly woven into his story. Interesting. Which you don't normally think of him for that. Yeah. But my thing with him and why I am in, I'm just in love with him. I know you have a saint crush on him. I have a crush (laughs) on him. I do. And in college, he, I was like, I'm not going to get married because I want to marry him. Maybe I'll be a nun. Obviously that didn't happen. I don't think that's Um, how nuns work. (laughs) I I was weird. I was a weird college kid. But one of the reason why I just get so excited, because if you, if we gave out like saint superlatives, you know, like most relatable mm-hmm. would go to Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Like yeah. hands down. He is just so relatable for people who think like we're not all called to be saints. Like yes. you just look at his life and it's so amazing but so normal. Yes, like ex- accessible. Yes, accessible. I love him. Truly more, top five. Uh, more of a modern. More modern. Yeah. yeah so, um, which is why like a lot of people, do, when you think about him, you don't normally think about his family, but his family was a part of his story like it is for all of us. Right. A so part of what made him yes. who he is, right? Yeah. So that's why um, I chose him for this episode on tough family situations yeah. or dysfunction. I don't know if I'd go all the way dysfunctional, but it was definitely tough. So I'll jump yeah. in. Um, so Pier Giorgio Frasati. And then this, I'll say this, it is an Italian thing. I don't know. I've never been to Italy, but I do know that he would have gone by Giorgio, mm-hmm. if not his full name. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So yes. he would have gone by Pierre Giorgio. You're right. Or Giorgio. Or his middle name. But not Pierre. Okay. I don't know what that is. Interesting. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> so he was born in 1901 in April in Italy. Um, so kind of like in between the world wars, like in okay, that era, yeah. like around that time. Um, his mother was a famous Italian painter. She was very well known for her art. Um, it said that the king at the time was a fan of her art and had purchased some of her works. Wow. And then his father, um, so his mother was named Adelaide. His father was Alfredo, and he was the founder and director of one of the most influential Italian newspapers at the time. Okay. And so, obviously, 1900s, the newspaper is the way to get your news. So yeah. for you to like own a fa- like to be a family that owns and runs and started one of the biggest newspapers. That's a lot of it's power. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, a lot of power. And he would eventually go on to be an Italian senator and ambassador. So he was well known like in the country. His dad would be. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Alfred. Okay. Yeah. So um he was Pierre Giorgio was the son of a famous painter and the son yeah. of a famous politician. Um, and they were wealthy because of that. Yeah. Um, so they were agnostics though. His parents were, uh, like many Italians, I guess they were culturally Catholic, but they didn't practice mm-hmm. any faith. 
Um, but for whatever reason, Pier Giorgio showed a love for faith and for the poor from a very young age. There is a story that um, a woman came to their neighborhood begging, um, and she had a small child, and they were both shoeless, and that seven-year-old Pier Giorgio Frasati ran out and got them shoes. There's another story where um, there was a drunk homeless man who was kind of panhandling, and his father was not nice to him, and this, like, um, little little kid Pier Giorgio was, like, crying and begged his mom to let him go and give him some money because his father wouldn't. So just such um, a heart for the poor. Yes. Uh, he, heart for the poor is exactly how you would sum him up. He was also really um, big on the social issues of the time. Um, and like I said, he grew up during World War One and then just like lived on the cusp of the next World War. Okay. So at the time in Italy, there were a lot of displaced people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of orphans from the war and then a lot of returning soldiers. Um, so he is kind of growing up at a time where there's just a lot of need. Yeah. Um, but he was also a really normal kid. His friends called him the terror because he loved pranking people. <laughs> um, that makes me just think of like, you know, an average like rambunctious little boy. Yeah. That means um, like no matter what your kids are like right now, they have, they could be, yeah. they could they be, could be blessed. Um, and he was smart and all his friends said he was very intelligent, but he was an average to below average student. So, um, at one point, he was, like, in a pre- prestigious private school, but he flunked out and had to be sent to, like, regular um, Jesuit school. So that was, like, a thing where he had that religious education he wouldn't yeah. have gotten if he hadn't flunked out of his prestigious school that his family wanted him to go to. That's funny that it's, like, he flunked out of that and then went to, the, like, the regular Jesuit school, right. whereas now Jesuit schools are, like, like, regarded yeah. real highly. I know. <laughs> Um, so it was kind of in his religious education that he developed a deep spiritual life. Um, the Eucharist and, um, his devotion to Mary were like the two centers of his faith life. Love it. Um, and like I said, this is like so very, he's, he was a young, a young saint. So by the age of 17, he was in the St. Vincent de Paul society, society and, um, was just really big on living out the Beatitudes, which is mm-hmm. what he's known for. So eventually he would go to um, the Royal Polytechnic University of Turin mm-hmm. uh, to be a mining engineer. He wanted wow. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, but because, you know, like now we hear engineer, and it's like that is someone who is very, like, intelligent. Yeah. Who, but um, at the time, this was not a good thing. Like by his, at least like his family didn't think it was good that he wanted to be a mining engineer. I gotcha. Right, what, because there are artists and politicians. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the only son. His he had a, a sister, but he's the only son. So for him, he was supposed to take over the family newspaper and go into politics oh, and gotcha. carry on the legacy of this wealthy, influential family. Yeah. Um, and then miners at the time were some of the most poor sick and poor, like like low class level citizens yeah so he wanted to be a mining engineer so that he could um advocate for them so he could help them so he could help Aww. them um he said he wants to serve christ among the miners um and he wanted to like help them unionize and do things to help these people mm. um so that is one area where there was tension at home because he not only was he not following his father's footsteps, but it was to do something that was not even like an upgrade. It was yeah. not considered good work for him to want to do this. Right. Um, but he still did it. He still, that's what he went to school for. He was really cared about the dignity of the worker. Um, 
And uh, so he was a normal college student. He was at school. He was in extracurriculars. He was um, at school in extracurriculars. Um, he wasn't a very, again, a really successful, I would say, student. Yeah. Um, it took him a while to finish. Um, so, but again, that's pretty average. Like a lot of people don't go all the way straight through. Yeah, Some people take I a like, victory yeah, lap. That's kind of a curved line. Yeah, exactly. So again, super relatable. Um, some of the organizations he was involved in were the Catholic Student Foundation and then a group known as the Catholic Action Group in college. So um, this was kind of a big theme in his life. Like I said, he's very politically conscious because there was yeah. so much upheaval yeah. and he grew up in a really political charge time. Yeah, a lot of um, transitions with that. Yeah, so he became an active member of the People's Party, which was not the political party his father was associated with. Oh, so wow. again, his father is a political leader, thought yeah. leader. Um, so, but the People's Party was actually a new party that was founded on Catholic social teaching. Nice. So it was really big on, I think one of his I quotes is always bring, I think his chain, it's like, we need reform, not charity. So mm. he was a really big, like he wanted to actually action. put the Catholic church's teaching into action. Yeah. Um, so again, this is not what his father wanted him to do. He wanted him to be in his party right. to go, you know, yeah. um, but his father was anti-fascist. Um, so like his father, he was also anti-fascist yeah. and anti-communist, which were um, both of those movements were taking hold in Italy after the war. Um, and one thing that I think is so, again, relatable, just like you wouldn't think about him, is that he was known for like getting into fist fights <laughs> with communists and fascists. Because um, I mean, I think now like you'll see something you don't agree with on Twitter and say yeah. something mean. Right. But then it would be like... This you was know, their version of a Twitter war, basically. Yeah, this yeah. was their version of mean tweets where, like, <laughs> you are a communist. Let's, I'll, I'll let's punch you out. in the face yeah. right now. Um, also, at, because of these two movements taking hold in Italy, they're also very anti-church. So okay. there were a lot of times he fought people because of their treatment of uh, priests or just mm. of the church in general. Um, it's said that there was, at this time, common for people to see priests on a train or mm. a or something like kick them off. So Aww. he grew up in a time that was becoming, um, Italy was becoming very anti-church and he yeah. would f physically fight people for that. Which again, if you're someone who gets into fights or got into <laughs> fights or you have a kid getting into fights, you think all is lost, Pierre Giorgio Frasati would fight someone. Yeah, it sounds like he's very much a, a protector. He is. Um, yeah, on one occasion they were... Um, him and some of his friends were leading a church-led um, protest against, mm -hmm. I don't know, I didn't. I think it was against communism. Okay. They were um, like at a protest, at a rally, and the police got physical with the crowd, and he like led the fight against the police. The police? Yeah, so standing up to police brutality. Um, again, it's I think this is time. all really like <laughs> things that people now would... Uh, at least like identify with yeah but a protector yeah when they knocked off the, they say it's like um a common image of him or story is they knocked out like um we're knocking out their their signs out of their hands and he like picked it up and was like fighting the police back because they the like knocked over their yeah. friend's signs so again i mean what a rebel a rebel like many of us right um one thing i love about him too is that he loved his friends and in his letters in his writings that we have left over from him, it's to all his friends and his sisters. Um, so he had a really tight-knit group of friends, and they called themselves, 
um, the shady characters. I love that. Um, and it's kind of like now how you would say like my squad or my crew. I yeah. love people say that. I say my crew a lot, but I don't know if that's not cool anymore. Um, <laughs> I feel like the shady characters, like that's like transcends time. Like it's just like. Yeah. And it was kind cool of like tongue in cheek because they yeah. were like the Catholic kids. Right. Yeah. So like, it's very much like. um like a joke. They they even wrote like their club manifesto. It's all very jokey. That's so that fun. That Pierre Giorgio wrote because he loved to write like yes. his father. He loved to write. Um, it was kind of, it reminded me of like in Harry Potter, how there were the Marauders and the Marauders map. It was just like the name that they gave themselves. Yeah. Um, so that is, I, I love that again. It's like so relatable that he had a tight knit group yeah. of friends and they were really knew, jokey. He knew how to have fun. Yes. And that right. they mainly, um, they bonded over faith and over hiking and camping. So that's what they would do together. He really loved the outdoors, right? Yes, he did. Um, and this is one of his, I love this quote. He had about his friends. He says, in this earthly life, after the affection for parents and sisters, one of the most beautiful affections is that of friendship. And every day I ought to thank God because he has given me men and lady friends of such goodness who, um, for me, are a precious guide for my whole life. Mm. So he just like loved his friends, which again, there's so many young people who are just so like have such tight knit friend groups. But I think the reason I fell in love with him in college is because he loved a girl and had his heart broken. And Aww. to me, it was just like, it made him such like a romantic figure. Yes. Um, but he loved a girl named Laura. Okay. He met her while they were both skiing. And she was a part of like the Catholic Girls Club at their university. <laughs> and she was um, actually a part of the Shady Characters too. So they oh, were really cool. tight knit like yeah. friends. And um, But he was in love with her. He was in love with her. And his family knew her because he, you know, they were friends. So they knew her, but for whatever reason... They thought, and I feel like there's a lot of lore on this part because, you know, it's kind of romantic and yeah. like dreamy. Right. So some people say it's like his parents really didn't like her, but some people um, just say it was just like, you know, just wasn't like a good match, like in that society with them yeah. being so influential and them not being in that same class. Sure. Um, so at the time he was falling in love with Laura, um, Pierre Giorgio's parents were on the verge of divorce. Oh, wow. Um, they... Things were not good at home for them. Mm -hmm. And so um, kind of like out of humility, but also just wanting to prior prioritize his family above himself, he decided to not pursue Laura. So there's this thing, uh, kind of some people say like his parents kept them apart, but it was really yeah. him not even wanting to make any more drama, just oh, not wow. cause any more like, trouble. Very sacrificial. Very sacrificial to not distract his parents with anything about his life when they needed to focus on themselves. I, I almost wonder if, you know, in trying to preserve the marriage, he didn't want to disrupt the peace anymore. Yeah, uh, I think so. Like, like he just didn't in. want, yeah, it was yeah. for the sake of peace at home. He didn't yeah. want to add any of his troubles on, mm. on them. So he decided to not pursue her. Weight to carry. Yeah. As a son. Yeah, it is. Um, it kind of makes me want to ask Father Edwin, like, I would tell one of my teens now to like not worry about that. So like, mm. would we, do we really think it was his best move? Anyway, yeah. I want to ask Father Edwin. But um, yeah, so he never pursued her. She never even knew that he was in love with her because he oh, knew. This is like the makings of. Right? A, of a, like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, um, but he, so he wrote a lot of letters to his sister. His sister knew. Okay. So he about would write Laura about Laura Aww. and his friends knew. So he would talk about. Oh my god! How so much everybody knew except her. Yes. Oh, this um, is too sweet. Yeah, he wrote this to his sister. She is whom I loved with a pure love, and today, in renouncing it, I desire her happiness. I urge you to pray that God gives me the Christian strength to bear it serenely, and that He gives her all earthly happiness and the strength to reach the goal for which we were created. Thus, she will always be for me a good friend who, having known her in the most dangerous years of my life, will have helped me to keep on the right path toward toward the goal. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine if Laura read that? Wouldn't she just want to marry him on the spot? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope they're in heaven. Yes, reunited. Just reunited. <laughs> um, so I think that was what made me fall in love with him. Because I think everyone's had their heart broken, too. Yeah. And that he, like, lived with this heartache, but just, like, for the sake of peace at home, decided to bear it. Yeah. Not what I would have done, which is probably why <laughs> I'm not a saint and he is close to being one anyway. But that's one of my favorite things about him because it's so relatable. Beautiful. Um, and then, so like you said, he, um, or yes, he is called the man of the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what Pope John Paul named him. Pope John Paul II was a big fan of his. Nice. Um, so this is a, a common or like well-known story that when he graduated from high school, his father said, I'll buy you a car or just give you the money I would spend on a car. Yeah. And Pier Giorgio chose the money, but um, he used that to support the poor. So he helped like kind of care for a man with tuberculosis. Mm. He supported three orphans and helped house women who were displaced. Oh. So, I mean, obviously very saintly. Yeah, um, generous. He, very generous. He would always give away his bus fare to the poor that he would meet on the streets. And so there are stories of him having to run home oh, all I the time. I remember hearing that. Yeah. He was like, always running home. He didn't, cause he couldn't take the, like he gave yeah, away his cause money. Cause he gave away his yes. money. Um, didn't his mom, what didn't like, wasn't it like he would be late for dinner or something. Yeah, and he would get in trouble <laughs> yes. a lot at home because he was always late cause he was having to run across the city. Oh. Um, he also, um, I love this quote. So his family had a summer home outside of Turin and he would never go with them on vacation. And he said, if everybody leaves Turin, who will take care of the poor? Mm. So he loved to serve the poor, but like you said, he loved the outdoors and he was an athlete. He loved swimming. He loved skiing, hiking, mountain climbing, biking, fencing, horseback riding. He did everything physical. Um, but he also loved dance lessons and he loved to sing and he loved, um, sounds like he just really enjoyed life. He enjoyed life. Yeah. He loved everything. He knew how to live the good life. Yeah. He, um, collected rocks cause of uh, like the whole like mining engineering yeah. thing. He loved rocks. He loved photography. He loved postcards and collected all those things. He was just a normal just a love of life. Yes. A normal guy loving his life, yeah. living it, having a great time. Yeah. But, um, one day while kayaking with friends, he complained of a sharp pain in his back. Mm. And then the next day he had a fever. And then like within days he was passing away. Oh no. Um, Do but they know what he passed away from? Yes. Polio, which they oh. think he got from a sick person that he helped who had sure. polio. Yeah. Um, but again, so sacrificial. Um, the day he got sick was the day his grandmother died. So as to not burden his family and oh, not no. distract from their sad, add to their sadness, not distract for whatever reason, he didn't want any attention to be placed on himself. So he didn't tell anyone he was feeling sick. Um, and so he passed away really quickly. Wow. So I read that he felt the back pain on June 30th and he died on July 4th. Wow. So he um, progressed really fast and he 
got basically no medical attention. So it was um, really painful. Um, And even on his last days, like as he was passing away, um, he was writing instructions to his friends and his sister saying like, I've been visiting this sick man and giving him medicine. Um, don't forget him. Make sure he gets his medicine. Or like, so I've been still giving money. thinking about yes, other people. Like the day before he died, you know, I've been giving money to these orphans, make sure that they are still provided for. Yeah. Um, and then, so when he died and his funeral possession happened, the streets of the city were filled with mourners. Mm. Um, and it's, isn't that kind of how they knew that yes. he was like, Something yeah, his, very different. His family had no idea. Yeah. None that he did all of this for the poor. Right. But the funny thing is that his, the poor also didn't know who his family was. Oh, so I think like that's he had kind such, of like a secret identity. Yeah. Like such like kind of like, uh, like a Scooby-Doo moment, you know, like when they run <laughs> through the doors and just like the, I don't know, I just picture everyone being like you and, and then, you know, just yeah. like that discovery moment. Connecting all the dots. Yes, like that connecting all the dots to me is almost comical of like what would have happened where Yo, the poor. We need to make a movie about his life. Yes, someone please. Uh, maybe, unless there is already one. But. I wonder who would play him. Zac Efron. Oh, <laughs> I also have a crush on. <laughs> um, yeah, just like it's almost comical that his family mm. was this big influential family. They would have been there in like all of their kind of like status. Right. Yeah. And then the poor are seeing them. And the juxtaposition fam- of the both ju- of those. It's just uh. to me, it's almost funny that no one knew. But there's um, so much spiritual reality to oh, that. Oh, for sure. Too. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. But his funeral was packed with so many people, his friends, his yeah. family, and then all of the poor that knew him in the city. And then I think one thing that's so cool is that, um, and why we kind of tell these stories of the saints is that Pope John Paul II said that um, Pier Giorgio was a big kind of influence on him. Mm. And then he would go on to be Pope and Saint. Um, He said in visiting his tomb that I wanted to pay um, homage to a young man who was able to witness to Christ with singular effectiveness in this century of ours. And when I was a young man, I too felt the beneficial influence of his example as a student. And I was impressed by the force of his testimony. So I just think it's so cool that we have like a saint and pope saying like this saint affected me. Yeah. And he's only like, he's still at the level of a blessed. Yeah. And a saint, like a great saint of the church was created out of his life. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. So I think that's so cool to see his influence. Um, And then I wanted to just kind of close with his the motto associated with him at a verso alto. Um, It just means to the top of the heights. Mm. And he wrote it on the back of a picture of him mountain climbing. Like his friend had taken a picture. Picture where he's like with the staff or something. Yeah. He's like mountain climbing and he wrote that on the back and that kind of became associated with him. Um, It literally means to the heights or to the top. Um, And it was kind of now kind of a, kind of sums up his life like to always be striving for the highest goal mm. um which is when he wrote his um that quote I read about Laura it's um he says that that she kept me on the right path toward the goal and oh. he always says like the goal not like yeah. a goal like the right. goal being like heaven. heaven holiness um so like the goal of humanity the goal of humanity verso alto is kind of like the way that That's he so kept inspiring. it in his in his mind yeah. I feel like if I were going to get a tattoo <laughs> That's what it'd be. Maybe, I like that. I approve right? of that one. That'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. At 30 as a mom, get my first tattoo. <laughs> anyway, one of literally one of my favorites, like as someone who works with the youth, I just can point to him and be like, 
this is who we're trying to be like. Yeah, look at this guy. This, look at him. He had a crazy family. Yeah. He kind, he, he renounced wealth, basically. Renounced and, wealth. His family yeah. didn't approve of his choices all the time. He right. had a hard time in school. He had friends. He had things yeah. he was passionate about. And he is a great, blessed of our church. And One day will be just a saint. fun. I like fun. a fun saint. He was fun. He was yeah. young. And the cool thing is that we have so many pictures of him because he loved photography. Yeah. So there's pictures of him like... You know, skiing and yeah. just doing with his friends things and stuff, with his right? friends. Yeah. So I, when there's someone who I feel like, man, I'm, I'm never gonna be a saint. I'm just like right. this normal person. Then I'm like, you know what? Pierre Giorgio probably thought that stuff about himself all right. the time. Sainthood is possible for anyone who wants to strive for it. Yes, I just love, I him. love that. Top five. Top five. Okay. I, I have to just say, because there are no visuals, that I can attest that when Andrea talks about Blessed Pure, Pierre Giorgio Frasati, she like lights up. I lo- he's like, <laughs> I love him. I just want everyone to know how great he is. I, I can feel it. Like the love is starting to like pour onto me. So I'm I like starting him. to like. Literally, I just, he makes me, this is why I want to start this podcast. Because I could just. Anytime you're in a bad mood, you should just start thinking or talking about him and you're just going to. It's true. It's true. It's really true. I'm going to go get my tattoo now. Okay. I love that. I only knew a little bit about him. And so now I'm like, Best friends. (laughs) Yes. I have a new friend. Okay. I'm going way back to the seventh century to a saint called Saint Dymphna. Yes. I've heard of her. You've heard of her. I know nothing about her. I know she's a patron saint of people with depression or. Um, It's really kind of just overall mental illness, which okay. I find interesting because that's a really broad field. And so I'm surprised that there's only like one saint of like mental illness, but there's probably more of that kind of specific. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily about her. It's about her dad and mm-hmm. kind of what she suffered um, because of that. Great. Okay. So not great. I mean, just that <laughs> I'm already learning something. That's yes. what I meant. Um, and I think this is something we can all relate to. I mean, not in the way that she experienced it, but in our own way. And I do want to preface that, you know, even though our title is Saints from Dysfunctional Families, um, just from like a non-professional opinion of mental health, like, you know, dysfunction is in all families. It's Uh just like the degrees of it. And so um, trying to normalize that a little bit of just Mm -hmm. knowing that there's no such thing as a perfect family. And so um, we all come from broken backgrounds because we're broken. Because we're human. We're human. Yes. Um, Okay. St. Dymphna was born in the 7th century. Um, There's not a lot of detail um, of when, but she was born to a pagan father and a devout Christian mother in Mm -hmm. Ireland. And when she was 14, she consecrated herself to Christ and took a vow of chastity. So Mm -hmm. she was just just very devoted to Christ. Um, But soon after that, her mom died, Mm -hmm. and her father began to like suffer from like incredible, like devastating grief. Wow. And he just, he loved his wife so much that like it just tore him apart, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, so at the time he, he came like fell apart so much that um, the King's counselors in Ireland suggested that he remarry mm-hmm. um, to kind of try to fill that void. Um, and he only agreed to remarry because he was still grieving if the woman could be as beautiful as his wife. Mm, okay. Okay. So these are kind of tough requirements here. Yeah. The story gets crazier. So 
they send messengers throughout the town and like other parts of the land to like okay. find a woman. This sounds like a fairy tale in it a is, sense. It is, yeah. Um, like a twisted fairy tale. But they look, are trying to find a woman that resembles his wife and nobody could be found. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, the story goes that his the king's evil advisors, mm-hmm. this really sounds like a movie, his evil advisors whispered like the sinful suggestion that he should... The dad, the dad should marry. That's Dina. what. That's what I was afraid of where you were going with that. Because okay. she, she looks like her. Mother. She looks like her mother. Oh my gosh! Right? Okay. Yeah. And so, in his like twisted like, um, mind because of this grief, mm-hmm. he like takes up the suggestion. He's like, "Yes, she's the only one." When I look at Dimfna, I see my wife. Mm, yeah. Okay, so I'm sure that like creeped him out. She was <laughs> she was only 14 at the time. Yeah. So when she heard about that, she um decided to flee yeah she was like i'm getting out of here so she flees the castle and she takes her confessor a priest with her mm-hmm. two trusted servants and it says the king's fool i don't know like a jester maybe I guess. something like that um so I that don't know. Yeah, i don't know i'm don't not know up means. on king terminology yeah. um so they sail towards what's now considered belgium mm-hmm. um, and in a town called giel and so they kind of set up shop over there. Um, and it's said that she used some of her wealth to like set up a hospital for the poor and the sick. Mm-hmm. So she also kind of had this heart for um, helping the underprivileged. And, but in using her money, she like her dad was able to track her. Like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So attention. Yes. So he discovered that, that she was in Belgium. He traveled to the town of deal Giel and captured her. Um, actually the whole group. And he killed a priest that was her confessor and then tried to convince Dimfna to come back home to Ireland to marry mm-hmm. him. Um, and obviously she refused. She was not up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and her father, Damon, became enraged and um, drew his sword and beheaded her. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It was very severe. And so at that time, she was only 15 years old. Oh, my gosh. So just to think about how young she was mm-hmm. and how she had to deal with her father's grief, seeing her mother die. I mean, she had her own grief with that too, yeah. right? And so, and then to have to um, flee her home and everything she knew um, and then be with her team and then them, like her confessor, her probably her mm-hmm. most like trusted person die. Yeah. Um, so that was like a very difficult um, journey that she took, like went through for that two years. Mm-hmm. And I think it just kind of speaks to also just... Um, the gravity of just grief and like yeah. how unresolved grief can really turn into mm-hmm. some dysfunctional patterns and so For how sure. it's so important to have support in that sense. Um, but in defense of her purity, she became known as the Lily of Ire. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, but they, in 1349, they, a church um, was built in her honor mm-hmm. in that town of Giel. And what's cool is that in, it says by 1480, like there were so many pilgrims arriving like in need of treatment for the sick mm-hmm. um, and for mental illness that they had to expand the church. Like they had to like um, build another section of the church and still it became overflowing that eventually like the townspeople had to like take people in and they still continue that tradition today. Cool. Like people still go there. Um, I think the original church may have been burned down, but they like rebuilt over it. Um, but they say many miracles have been proven, like, to take place mm-hmm. at that shrine. Um, and so there's still lots of people that go there in her honor. Yeah, I want to um, go. <laughs> right? Um, so she is the patroness of those suffering from nervous and mental afflictions, as well as victims of incest. Mm, yeah. Um, so that's a pretty broad um, 
patronage, mm-hmm. I would say. But I think that even though her story is so, for lack of a better word, dramatic, yeah. um, I think that it speaks to kind of a few issues of just, and especially, you know, we talked about with the holidays, grief can mm-hmm. really um, yeah. come up as kind of this very real and, you know, I don't know, it's just anytime there's moments of happiness when you're grieving, it also is a pain point too, because it's like your mm-hmm. loved one isn't there too. Yeah. Um, so grief can kind of um, come up again during those times. And so especially during the holidays. Um, but the o- other piece of it is um, just that she was a cycle breaker. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she did not just fall into like whatever her dad's illness was or his her dad's grief was. She mm-hmm. recognized it as disordered and she did not like submit to it Mm -hmm. and I think that that is part of breaking away from dysfunction in our families Mm -hmm. is to recognize the disorder and then um, find the reorder does that make sense yeah Um, so there do you know who Jason Gray is I don't he's like a Christian um, musician and he um, has a song called order disorder reorder Wow. <laughs> I know. And I just discovered on Spotify, I was like, Spotify must be listening to my conversations. Um, but he talks about like one of the um, lyrics in here. It's like order, disorder, reorder over and over. It wouldn't be the way I choose, but this is how you make me new. And I was just kind of praying through that of like mm-hmm. what that means, you know, and like, I just feel like I think about, um, I think about this Bible verse. I had to look it up because I cannot just quote scripture right off the top of my head. But it's Psalm 139, 13. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is like order. Like we start out ordered. Like, Mm, you know, because, you know, yeah, we like, I think even with my own kids, I sometimes I get, I fret over so much of like Mm -hmm. the little stuff with them and how things are going to turn out. And I just keep feeling like I'm reminded by God, like they were mine before they were yours, Mm -hmm. you know, like they, like that's where they really belong. Mm And, um, and then they come into the world and they come into disorder, right? Like in some sense or fashion, like we all, um, have some piece of that. And so, but I think that path to sainthood is that place between disorder and reorder. And how do we find, how do we break away and recognize the disorder mm, and then mm-hmm. find the path to reorder, find our way back to God, you know, in this world that, um, where there is disorder. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that means breaking away from the norms that renouncing wealth or maybe having to break off certain relationships or our closeness in those relationships so that we can find order. And even when you talk about, um, blessed Pierre, Giorgio Frasati, I always stumble on his name. Um, that that idea of such holy friendships that mm-hmm. that was like where he found his community and where he could really feel, fulfill his vocation is yeah. just like for so many of us that come from broken families that our friendships are really what um, and our community is really what sustains us and brings mm-hmm. us to holiness and so um, I ha- there's a Mother Teresa quote that I love where she says like the problem with the world is we um, draw the circle of our family too small. Um, and we think that, you know, it's just our, our family, but like, we're all family, we're all brothers and sisters. And so, um, sometimes it can feel like, oh, my family is just so messed up or, you know, like, and this is, this is all I have. But I think that's like kind of a lie we tell ourselves that they're like, we have so much more 
to include in family and to enrich our lives and to kind of help us find that reorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that she, St. Diphna recognized that disorder and made choices that were very difficult choices. And yeah. for her, she had to pay the ultimate price. Um, but that in that sense, that's what led her to sainthood too, is mm-hmm. preserving her purity and yeah. devoting herself to Christ, being with a priest that supported her mm-hmm. um, and her call. And so I think that that gives us hope that, you know, like even if we're in a place of disorder, that doing the work to find the reorder, coming back to God yeah. where he knit you, you know, like, I mean, we may never fully realize that here, but um, I think that's that returning back to God. Yeah. Which gives, I feel like that gives me hope, you know, for, it was interesting because normally when I prep for podcasts, I'm like, I have everything organized and like all my notes, but this one I was like, when you said saints from dysfunctional families, I'm like, I've trained for this my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to write any notes. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's like, but we all do in some sense, you know, but that's that growth of just like, how do we return back? Yeah. And I was thinking like, as you were, as I was like reflecting as you were talking that like from like Pier Giorgio who his family disorder was just like not living up to like the name and like having parents who were having marital problems Mm -hmm. and then to the spectrum of like neglect and abuse and grief and the suffering of like St. Demphna. Yeah. Like that spectrum, like anyone, like you kind of said started with like anyone is going to fall somewhere on that spectrum. Right. Yes. And there are people who have like, like big T traumas, which yes. is like the St. Nymphness. And then there's probably just like that, that wound, that small woundedness trauma that Pierre Giorgio lived with, like knowing that he was, it's, to follow his heart, he was going to have to let down his dad, you know? Right. So like anyone is going to fall somewhere in one of those categories. Yeah. And like you said, like, that's why we all have to go through that, that process, that reordering. Cause right. at some point something like that's going to happen. Yeah. And even if it looks like a big trauma or a smaller trauma, the work is still the same internally mm-hmm. yeah. of, of how to just, um, move away from what's quote unquote your norm mm-hmm. to what you know is like the call of Christ. Yeah. Even when that's not, um, approved mm-hmm. by your family of origin. Yeah. Or even just the culture, because I'm yeah. sure living in the seventh century, they were like, well, the men in your life say you have to do this. Yeah, so I mean, you, you live in it. a castle. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's a pretty big. The king said it. <laughs> right. Just do it. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I knew St. Dymphna was for, like I said, something to do with mental illness or depression, but I yes. had no idea that it wasn't hers. It was from like the people around her. Yeah, that she suffered from. And so um, you can ask for her intercession, especially I think she especially she kind of looks at you may have said depression and anxiety mm-hmm. yeah. um, too um and so I think that we can all and I feel like in this day and age like anxiety and depression is just um very common and very rampant and so that's something that I mean I know I can call upon for sure mm-hmm. like it just it, you know asking for her intercession um, and with the caveat that I'll say that yes there are we do need to pray um mm-hmm when it comes to mental illness, but I also like to, um, reference father Josh Johnson, who always quotes, um, Sarah 38, seven, which is about the use of medicines as mm-hmm. part of healing. So like, yeah. 
um, remembering that God gave us medicines, God gave us doctors and pharmacists, and mm-hmm. those are all part of what he provides us for our healing. Um, and so that's all part of our toolbox um, to know that and to not let pride get in the way of that. But um, that I think we could ask for her intercession for emotional support as well. For sure. You know, and to bring people into our lives that can help with the reordering. Um, so, yeah, that's the whole point. That there is a saint in heaven who sees you and understands what you're going through. Yeah. And can be your friend through it. And Even if like, like I got not, you. Yeah, yeah. There's not going to be some crazy like miraculous healing. They, yeah. they got you. They just connect with you. Yeah. Yes. So. All right. Thank you so, yeah, yeah, for you educating bet. me. Yes, absolutely. I got educated myself <laughs> just researching her. Um, should we do blessing and burden? Yeah, let's do it. Do you have one ready to go? I have one ready to go. All right, want me go to do for it? it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. My blessing was yesterday was my husband's birthday. So Yay. happy birthday, Ross. Happy birthday. Um, so I was happy to just have it, um, to just honor another year of his life and be grateful that I had um, had that time with him and that he has another year um, with us. So just celebrating his life. My burden is Christmas shopping. Oh, yeah. I still need to get a few things. Mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I don't know, this year I've just been late to the game. We just put our Christmas tree up, so we're we're not. But I say it's Advent, so I still feel yeah. like we got lots of Christmas left. That's we're right. Catholics. I mean, Catholics. There's twelve yeah. days of Christmas. I keep telling my kids yeah. that. So, but um, yes, I'm dreading going to the store because I know out it's there. Amazon's not even an option at this point. So. No, it's not. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I went to buy diapers yesterday. And it was like just rough being at a store. Just getting so, into the store yeah, now. So. Okay. My blessing and burden is also Christmas related. <laughs> Prob- so it's both. My blessing is my burden. My burden is my blessing. Ooh, um, my paradox. Yeah. My husband is late also to the Christmas game. And so he said, I'm just going to give you cash. <laughs> so that's a blessing. But now my burden is what do I spend this cash on? I've never just handed a large amount of cash right. just for just for me. Yeah. So my burden, like I've been up at night, like what am gonna get I kind of feel like I have this one shot one opportunity you know like <laughs> now do you um do you have trouble spending money on yourself no okay so this shouldn't be a- so that but that's the thing like I have a like at all times a running list of things that I would just love to spend money on yeah so that's why I'm a little paralyzed because I'm like I gotta make which thing to choose from yes exactly so such a first world problem <laughs> um, I I just I'm having trouble like getting the empathy for your burden here. I just feel yeah. like this is. But I mean, like, <laughs> I guess this is why you're not supposed to pick out your own gifts because I'm like, there's like a thousand things I want. What do I, what do I get myself now? With See, my I'm cash? the opposite. I'm like, I don't know what I want. Just can you guys buy something for me? Cause I don't want to think about it. Yeah. So that's I would have I should, an opposite. That's problem. why someone. It, both ways. It's a problem. Both ways are a problem. Yeah. I just really feel paralyzed. I don't know what to get with my Christmas money. Okay, next podcast, keep us updated what you got. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. We got to yeah. go Christmas shop. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye. Bye.